Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on this show. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. On today's show, they have to dip their toes into the ATP Tour level. As Tim Van Reithoven, a player frequently discussed on this program, earned his first ATP Tour title, had never captured a Challenger title in his career. Of course, able to summon some magic, earn the ATP title with victories over Daniil Medvedev, Felix Ogier, Ali Asim, Taylor Fritz, and others. Of course, if you want to hear my thoughts on that result, hop on over to the Mini Break podcast feed where we break down all of the tour-level action from the past week. But of course, again, Damian and Jakob have to offer their thoughts here on today's show on a guy in Van Reithoven who they have spoken of quite frequently here on this podcast. Of course, they also have to talk about all the latest developments on the ATP Challenger Tour, including analyzing the night matches in Peru. Perugia discussing a dream final in Bratislava and so much more. It is another fantastic episode that we know all of you Cracked Rackets fans are going to enjoy. Of course, again, for all of those tour-level updates, Mini Break Podcast is the place for you for all of our content. Go head over to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, a massive thank you to our friends at Turna for their support of this show. You all know the deal. To learn more, not only about the Turna grips, but about the award-winning Turna strings and the various other products they provide to help make your life on the court easier. Contact them today about joining the Turner team. Email sales at uniquesports.com. Mention we here at Crack Racket sent you. They'll hook you up with free samples, hook you up with discounted pricing, treat you like family. Again, sales at uniquesports.com. Email sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today. With all of that said, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger-centric episode from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turna. Once you use a Turna Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about about the Mega Tack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turn of Tennis today. 
Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. But actually, we're not going to start from uh, a result of a Challenger or anything because we thought that one guy this week did pretty well and that he should be <laughs> congratulated on our on our behalf. Absolutely. Timon Reitoven, what a week for him. Uh, beating Matthew Ebden, Taylor Fritz, Ugo Gaston, Felix Ojer Aliasim, and then Daniel Medvedev to win the Den Bosch uh, tournament, the 250. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, what did you think of his week there? I guess, uh, I mean, he's never played on grass before, at least officially. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he played on it in juniors. Uh, so I guess you couldn't really predict how good that slice was going to turn out. It was going to, you know, turn out to be. Uh, although obviously it's it was always like well known to us that his game is much better in faster, sleeker conditions. Uh, so in a way, you could probably think that maybe grass is going to be good for him. But I guess the what what really made this week for him was just how much of a game changer that slice was. Because you don't really see that in normal matches. Like, even indoors, I don't think he used it that much, right? Like, I mean, indoors, he was definitely able to hide his backhand a lot more than on clay or in slower hard courts. But grass, I mean, you you couldn't really predict that this slice was was going to be this good. And I actually have a trivia question related to this. Obviously, feel free to pause if uh, <laughs> if you don't want to hear Yakov telling saying something before you you, you know you, you get the chance to. Uh, since two thousand and seven, uh, Van Rijthoven is only the sixth player to get his uh, maiden ATP title before getting a challenger one. Uh, can you name these uh, five other players? Oh Jesus Christ! I'm gonna get absolutely ripped to shreds here. I, I feel no like two or three is doable. All five. Uh, yeah, is- I mean, there, there, there's always those guys that we talk about, like like Miller, Brownich, right? That's one. one of them. Yes, he still uh, doesn't have one. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the ranking is there for him to to enter challengers. So I, I think we'll probably see him at some point. Um. God, I'm blanking on anybody else that exists. <laughs> we definitely talked about this one guy uh, a few times because he's sort of playing challengers now. Uh, and, and and we talked about this thing that he only got his challenger title in 2019, which was actually after, um, after most of his success. 2019. No idea. Bordeaux, no I think, was the, was the tournament that he won. Porto 2019. Was it was it like Songa or somebody? Or? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Luca Pui. Oh, Pui, yes. Yeah, we yeah. definitely talked about it like like once. Mm-hmm. I think even uh, Songa is a. <laughs> it was when we were talking about Songa because Songa also played this event, and I think he lost to Horainz too. Yeah. yeah, one guy did it last year. I think this one is the the easiest option outside of Raonic. So. So, 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 so one guy won his challenger last year. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, actually both. But first, oh, wait, yeah. Well, was, wasn't it like Juan Manuel Serundolo? Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the, the remaining two, I think, are the toughest. Like, I wouldn't be able, but, you know, no any more, any more attempts? No clue. No. Kei Nishikori and Sergei Stakowski. Uh, that's interesting. That's but I, I actually don't know like when Nishikori won his first because he definitely won one in uh, 2018, right? 
uh, okay. the, when he was returning. So was that his first or or did he have yeah. something else before? I actually didn't didn't really check that. Um, challengers, no, he won one in 2008 and then 2010 he won four more. So it's just a very weird thing. Yeah, he won Delray Beach in 2008 and then won uh, two months later he won in Bermuda. Yeah, I was never going to guess that. Yeah, yeah Stakowski and Nishikori were pro- were probably not really doable. Yeah, Raonic, Serundolo, I feel like th- these were pretty easy. Puy mm-hmm. was probably pretty tough too. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, any any more things on on Van Rijthoven? Uh No, it's just so impressive and it's so great to see um, these guys that we talk about on the Challenger Tour. Yeah, guys that we don't even talk about week in week out, going deep on the Challenger Tour then to just go and rip off this incredible run it's just so great to see because now so many more people know his name um yeah he didn't yeah. even he didn't even have a top 100 win in win in like three years but then really? again if you look at it he only played top 100 guys in rotterdam qualies each year so he's yeah. literally not even getting the chance to see whether uh, that, that, that's the same case with many players, I don't know, doing suddenly doing well in Davis Cup, for example, like Goyo or Pirosh last, uh, last November. They just didn't really get the chance to play against these guys on the Challenger Tour. You know? it's, it's just so much tougher to get to the main tour than to actually win matches there. Obviously, winning a 250 like this is something completely different. I mean, ridiculously good players still don't have a 250 title. I don't know, Krajinovic, Truf, Janovic. I mean, mm-hmm. they're probably never going to win one at this point. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just any 250. It's 250 where, where he beats Medvedev, Orger, Alessim, and Fritz, and, oh, yeah. and all these names. The top 15 top players to win a 250. That, that has to be super rare, actually. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, right, I think we can get to yeah. some challenger action now. Let's start in Perugia, where we just watched the final between Jame Munar and Tomas Martin Echeverri, with Munar being the champion 6-3-4-6-6-1. His eighth challenger title with up 17 spots, number 75. On his run, he beat uh, Arnaldi. Then uh, <laughs> I, I wrote on Passaro twice. So I actually don't know who he beat in the, in the second round there. Passaro who, who, who did he beat? In, in the second round, he beat Passaro. Right. Then who did I write down? Montero. <laughs> yeah. So so so, so um, Montero and then Darderi. He, yeah, Darderi. Yeah, I I just wrote down Passaro a second time instead of Darderi. <laughs> yeah. uh, on his run, he beat Arnaldi, Passaro, Montero, and Darderi. What did you make of Munat this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty shocked that he won today because I honestly thought that Echeverri had this in the bag. Not that he's necessarily the better player right now, but simply after playing for three hours, 42, 42 minutes against Monteiro and three hours, uh, four minutes against Dardari, I just didn't think Munar would have it in him. But I guess shame on me because you can never really <laughs> underestimate Munar's physical preparation. And it was just insane. I mean, uh, I don't I don't understand how he was still moving this well, how he actually managed to outlast Echeverry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this year has been just so so ridiculously good for Munar. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is like the best he's ever played. He's currently in the top 40 of the ATP race, which is crazy, but it's, it, it's not crazy at the same time. Like he actually belongs there and he's so much more comfortable taking uh, control in the rallies. 
even though today what won him the match was definitely the defense and the grinding. Like Echeverry just, there were so many of these incredible rallies, 30 shots where Echeverry played, I don't know, three smashes, uh, a couple of down the line shots, even from the backhand, and it just all came back. Uh, yeah, that really could have been a classic final if not for the if not for the first set. Yeah, it just seems so difficult for anybody to beat Munar on clay right now uh, with, with with these guys like Echeverri. So, so so many times he went to the to the kick serve out wide, and then he then he tries to go down the line, but Munar is there almost every single time. Uh, just incredible retrieving from from Munar. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's really fought hard for this title. I I thought it might be slipping away when when he lost the second set. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, then then Echeverri ran into some physical issues there towards the end. I think took a medical timeout. Uh, yeah, talking of Echeverri, his seventh challenger title, up ten spots, number eighty. On his run, he beat checking final, out final, right? Seventh, seventh final. Final. Did I say yeah. title? Again? Yeah, it's a title. <laughs> seventh final. Uh, he beats Cecchinato, Caboli, Choric, and Marterer. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Echeverri? I mean, another insane week. I, I'm just so, you know, the, the final literally, when we were recording, the final literally ended 15 minutes ago. So I'm, I'm still relieving some of these rallies, honestly. The, the quality of the ball striking was just incredible. Actually, there is a, an example that I might, uh, because I posted one of the rallies that they had on, on Twitter, uh, where Echeferi finished it with like a forehand down the line winner. And it was very similar in terms of the direction. Uh, to the very famous point uh, between Federer and Nadal from the 2017 uh, Australian Open final. And one guy in the comments said like, uh, the disrespect towards my to my favorite tennis point ever. So sort of suggesting that me comparing this challenger rally uh, to, to that point is somehow, you know, the, diminishing the, the importance, the, the, the beauty of the Federer-Nadal point. Honestly, when I'm looking at the quality of the heating here, I'm not saying it's you know the, that good or anything, but it's it's really just absurd that these guys are are ranked ninety something in the world or eighty something in the world maybe right now. Yes, I'm I'm a little bit mad at myself for changing my pick last minute because I originally did write down Monare, but I went with Kaboli to fit to fit my little uh, gimmick that I was doing with my picks, and I wish I. I wish I hadn't done that now. Um, but yeah, moving on to talk about some of our um, other, other players here. Our, our semifinals were both qualifiers. We can start with that daddy uh, who beat uh, Junta, Cepelev, Gastao Eliash, Luca Nardi, and Luca Potenza uh, to reach the semis, breaks the top 250. It feels like every single week there's new Italians popping yeah. up. <laughs> it's always a different one too. I mean, Dardari yeah. was already in the finals at, uh, in yes, South America yeah. last year, uh, but still Sao Paulo, I think. But still, it's a, it, it's a new Italian every single time. I mean, even here, we had Luca Potenza reach the quarters, which yeah. is just like uh, even more incredible. Dardari, we sort of know is there. Uh, but honestly, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking of him as one of the uh you know the, the the guys that have the most potential like you would probably right now have to think about Passaro or Arnaldi or so the guys that that Munar beat I mean Munar, Munar had a very tough road to the to the final but yeah 
uh sure and martyr i think he's been sort of showing uh, in the in the past couple of weeks who did he play in uh, in forli musetti right that that was a very good match too mm-hmm. so i think there, there there's been a, a bit of an upswing in his game and there again the path that he had to take to to make the semis Tabernerer Naboldi Zapieri, that's super tough. But that's actually connected to how strong Perugia is and to how strong Parma will be, as a bit of a spoiler. Yes. Uh, we also had Borna Choric making the quarterfinals, uh, beating Varias and Genesi uh, in his first back-to-back wins uh, since his comeback, since like March 2021, basically. Uh, since Rotterdam, yes, definitely some good signs for Choric as well. Uh, do you want to talk a bit more about Potenza, who beat uh, Imer, got the retirement from Carbaez by in the second match, uh, but yeah, only his second uh, challenger quarterfinal in his career. Uh, yeah, what do you think his potential is? Yeah, I didn't really see that much of Potenza, honestly. I think the, the Dardari match shows that his run was sort of accidental. I mean, Elias Imer... Uh, Elias Zimmer didn't really have a, a, bad, a good patch of play recently. Even when he had that great draw at the at the French to qualify, he couldn't take it. And Carbais Ben also was just injured. Uh, but uh, well, I, I'm saying that right now that maybe you know that maybe Potenza's run was pretty random. But if recent happenings uh, taught us something then Potenza is probably going to have a stunning run in Italy in a couple of months. <laughs> uh, yes, anybody else we want to talk about for the signals, guys? Uh, probably not. Uh, I don't think so. Yes, and in the doubles, uh, uh, Dumbia and Rebull won their third challenger title of the year, move up to number two in the challenger race. Uh, and they beat Bortolotti and Martos Gornes, uh, who I think received a wild card uh, to, the, to, to Parma uh, next week. So, so we'll be seeing them again. Uh, right, let's move on to Nottingham, where we saw Dan Evans uh, beat Jordan Thompson 6-4-6-4. Evans' ninth challenger title, first one since uh, Nottingham 2019. Moves up four spots, number 31 on his run. He beat Quaco, Fabiano, Huesler and Salk. Uh, yeah, what did you make of Dan Evans? Yeah, we, we got a point for this. And I think it was yes. probably like the second easiest pick all year behind Carbaez Baena in Tunis. <laughs> also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was sort of similar. Uh, I don't think fatigue came into play in the final. Not really, even though Thompson was going for, uh, for back-to-back wins. I mean, Evans was obviously just... Uh, at least a little bit ahead of the field. That doesn't mean that he had it easy because Wessler, Sock, Thompson, that's a really tough grass court draw. Uh, the yeah. first two rounds, probably not so much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he the, with the with the slice, with the awkward style, he's just so good in, on the surface. And it's actually his third uh, grass challenger title, which is a, a pretty huge score given that we only have two or three each year. And, and he's not even playing yeah. like challengers right now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the he's the main tour guy, mostly. Uh Thompson, his 21st challenger final, uh 200 points earned in these past two weeks. So that's been amazing for him, especially with the Wimbledon points coming off and stuff like that. Uh he was at four spots number 70 on his run. He beat Bellier. Clark, Kukushkin, and Popirin. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on Jordan Thompson this this fortnight that we've had him? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't like watching Jordan Thompson play tennis. He's pretty, really pretty good for a guy who isn't that good on grass. And uh, yeah, but... <laughs> but he really wasn't. Before the Murray win, he really didn't have any success. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let it fly. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really like watching him, but this week he was actually pretty fun and same and Serbiton because he just plays so much different to all the guys that went deep here. He's just grinding, chipping his way to, to these finals. And it's it's somewhat, somewhat actually uh, well, exciting, maybe not aesthetically pleasing because that's clearly not his game. But I, I gained some respect for uh, Jordan Thompson's uh, tennis abilities the, these past two weeks for sure. And I actually uh, forgot about it last year, uh, last week when he won uh, in Serpiton, but he became the ninth active player with a challenger tour titles on hard clay and grass. Uh, oh, which nice. is quite, uh, quite interesting. I'm, I don't think I'm going to give you like a trivia <laughs> challenge <laughs> because it's, so. it's way too tough. It's way too tough probably, but it's actually Berankis, Bolt, Dustin Brown. So kind of active. Jeremy Chardy also maybe not active anymore. Martin Fusovic, uh, Denis Kudla, Nick Kyrgios and Francis Tiafo. Uh, and Jordan Thompson now. That's interesting, but Kudla was probably green clay, right? Not 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 red clay. I believe be? so. I checked the I checked it last year because there was this one uh, this final in Nottingham between Bolt and Mike Shack, and they were both trying to achieve that feat. Ah, uh, and I think uh, and Bolt obviously got there uh, by winning, and I think it wasn't green, but I can check. Yeah, Tallahassee. So yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, some talk about our semi-finalists here in Nottingham. Jack Sock had himself a nice run, beating Henry Squire and then three setters against Jeffrey Blancano and Liam Brody. Uh, and he actually played a really good match against Dan Evans too before he had a, it, it seemed like a pretty bad slip uh, in, in the first set. I think it was like 4-2 up at that point. Um, but yeah, what did you make of Sock this week? Yeah, I mean, it was fun. The, the match against Evans just had so many trick shots and, and fun stuff happening. Uh, obviously, he's still like he still has a level to to win challengers on faster surfaces, especially. Would be cool to see him in like a Wimbledon main draw or something. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's doable. Like, where where is he even in the rankings right now? Because recently he was like one thirty ish. Okay, he's fourth alternate for for the main draw. Yeah, yeah, he 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 just dropped 19 spots this week. Uh, I think because of the Wimbledon points. Um, yeah, that that might be it. Yeah, but he should he should make it because he's uh, fourth alternate, and I suppose a couple of players mm-hmm. won't be coming. I don't know. Like Fonini Possibly. said that he he probably wouldn't. Or yeah, uh, and our other semifinalist was uh, Alexi Popirin. Who beat Lukas Latsko, Antoine Escoffier, and Ryan Peniston. So sort of an, an easy run in this in this draw uh, before losing to Thompson. Any any thoughts on him there? Yeah, I mean we, we know Popperin is uh, extremely good on grass just because of how how his game looks. I actually remember last year there was this moment when Popperin had a good match against like Nadal someplace, right at at, at the French maybe or. And yeah. I can recall that some people suddenly thought that he was going to be a dark horse for Wimbledon. And I remember because the you know the, the main favorite was Djokovic, and then everyone had like Federer, Berrettini, Cilic, probably, and uh, maybe Medvedev. 
And there was a lot of discussions on Twitter, like whether who's going, who's like next in succession. And I remember one, uh, one very big profile mentioning Popirin as like the fifth or sixth favorite. It was like the most random shout I've ever heard. <laughs> and it, it's, it's not that he's not good on grass. I mean, he he definitely is. But I mean, that was just craziness. And obviously, he lost in the first round. But to Nishikori, so sort of excused. Yeah. Uh, anybody else we want to talk about from the from the singles guys? Um, yeah, you know, Virtanen did very well again. He was actually in control in that mm-hmm. Brody match. Then 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 sort of disappeared. But it's clear that it's not going to be just just a one time thing. And I guess we can we can leave it at that. Uh, yeah, in in the doubles we had Johnny O'Mara and Ken Skubsky winning for Skubsky. It's his thirty third challenger title at thirty nine years old, so that's always great to see. Uh, it's their third career title together. They won an ATP two match points. Uh, sorry, three match points in the final uh, against Cash and Patton, who have been absolutely amazing these past two weeks. Two hundred points. Uh, so a title and a final, they both break top 200. They're 21 and two on the year together. So these are like the doubles rising stars uh, <laughs> in, in in the UK for sure. Yeah. And before Serbian, they didn't even, uh, neither had even played a doubles challenger. I think Cash yeah. played a few singles qualifying back in, back in the day, but never at any, uh, neither in singles nor in doubles. Uh, I did actually watch uh, a few matches uh, of Cash and Patton this week because it's just such a ridiculous story. And I, I don't think the wildcards have been announced yet, but I uh, can't really imagine Wimbledon not giving them one after after all of this. Yeah, so speaking of that, do you think Van Rijtoven might get a Wimbledon wildcard? Because I've seen oh. some calls for that, but I don't feel like it's very likely personally. Uh, Wimbledon has always like been more a little more uh, happy to give wildcards to players from other countries than other slums, I feel like. So mm-hmm. perhaps, uh, I mean, traditionally the, the winner of Ilkley gets one. So that kind of takes away a potential Van Rijtoven spot, I guess. Or maybe the winner of Ilkley will be someone who already has a spot in the main draw. Then that would... I mean, it, it's possible. I, I, I honestly not sure what to think about this. But it makes sense. It, like, it, it would be a good decision, probably. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to Lyon, where we had Corentin Mute win the title over Pedro Cachin, 6-4, 6-4. The fifth challenger title for Mute, his first one since June 2019, Lyon. So we have these sort of two former winners in, in, in Evans and Mute. Uh, winning in uh, up 19 spots, number 109 uh, on his road. He beat Richard, Furness, Grenier, and Gennard. Uh, yeah, what did you make of Mute this week? Just just very solid. When he's focused, obviously he can play excellent tennis, and I think he's shown that. Uh, I'm kind of interested what would have happened if Gasquet was in the final, uh, because mm-hmm. Kachin played great in that semi and then just really wasn't up to par in the final. Yeah. I think recently i'm sort of jumping ahead to to Kachin, but i think recently players who like have more variety just more dimensions to their game just they, they sort of expose how basic he is because he's just like pedro Kachin is just a very good ball striker like that's literally pedro Kachin's game I'm not sure he really has like a top 100 quality to him. And I think Mute, Gaston, Lestien, Lestien, maybe that was more fatigue, but at least Gaston uh, and Mute 
just really exposed that recently that they have um you know they also have that ball striking but they also have incredible creativity and and that final was just it seems six four six four is actually you know the, the scoreline is actually it sounds closer than it was i mean for mutay not to even face a break point or lose like 12 13 points on serve in the entire match on clay is is pretty crazy absolutely um as for yeah as 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 for Kachin, his seventh challenger final his fourth one in 2022 moved up 22 spots number 120 he's i think number four in the challenger race um yeah, on, on, on his run, he beat Jacquet, Torres, Muller, and my pick, Gasquet, which he sort of ridiculed me for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, okay, a little bit, yeah. I was just very surprised, let's say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any more thoughts on Kachin? You, you, so, so you don't really feel like he's a top 100 player, despite all of that? Yeah, that he's done this yeah I, I, this really is starting to feel like just a random summer spring no, spring more, more like spring that he'll have and probably drop out of the top 100 next spring but i, I believe he'll get there because it's like mathematically very very mm-hmm. plausible right now right because he's like what 64 60, points away yeah and everyone is still dropping 2019 points like crazy uh, like when you when you look at how many points these guys around the around the 100 spot are going to have next week, almost every one of them is just dropping, dropping stuff, and uh, cutting. You know, he he barely did anything last year outside of that uh, Oirash title. Uh, so you know, it, it, he's gonna get there, but whether he can actually stay there, I, I doubt it. Like I, I just don't really see him winning matches at two level with regularity we've come to a uh, we, uh, you know we've come to a weird point because last year when he won oirash or even before that i remember constantly arguing that pedro Cacin was underrated and now he sort of became overrated <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um as far as semi-finalists we had uh gasquet reach the semi-final beating Barrer, Koyalini, and Vatutin. It was it was actually his first uh, challenger semifinal in his la- in the last seven challengers that he's played. Uh, so I guess I understand a bit. Yeah, why, that, that's like why. Here. That's why <laughs> at the, these losses to Eubanks and also like there was another one which I can't remember right now that they just really told me that maybe I don't trust him winning five. But yeah, I guess looking at what happened, maybe it wasn't such a such a bad pick after all. Yeah, and and uh, Guinard was the other one beating Blanche, Pellegrino, and Coria for his fourth semifinal this week. Uh, this week, this year. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on on Guinard's rise this year? Doing the same. I mean, I, I guess there were some glimpses because he was in the final at Aix-en-Provence last year, right? I don't think mm-hmm. this is a, is a guy who who has a lot of. Uh, again, not really a top 100 player, but I mean, it, it's a game that should be giving him results like this on the Challenger Tour. Just how solid he is 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 usually more than enough to to get these run, get runs like this. But he's also like quite quite basic, although still um perhaps like when he when he really wants to he can like approach the net has the the physicality for it the height and all but in general he he just plays this very defensive style but but it's effective so 
Yeah, and we also had a funny situation with uh, Alexey Vatutin, who reached the quarterfinal as a as a qualifier, and he actually beat Janvier uh, twice uh, in in back to back matches, which I always enjoy the sort of quirk of the draw, where you know you you, you have you have the guy come in as a lucky loser and he plays the the guy that he lost to. Then we yeah, have this like last week with an absolutely hilarious matchup. I I I must have. Missed it. Yeah, Robin Hasse and Ernest Kulbis did that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was pretty, pretty insane. I actually wasn't. Now I wasn't even sure if it was last week or this week. It's all just mixing up. But yeah, it was in Forli, so so last week. Yes. Uh, yeah. And in the doubles, we had uh, Arnaudo and Eiseric, uh win the title, their first tournament together since uh, Szczecin 2018. They, they oh, they've been apart for a long time. Uh, and they beat Arendt's Pell, for whom it was the fifth challenger uh, final this year. And they're number four in the challenger race. Did they play like a lot with each other? I mean, I'm mostly familiar with Arnaud Donis. Uh, they, they played quite a bit, I think. Uh, but, but but they're scheduled to play together I mean, again next Just, just uh, nine matches in 2018, actually. So Okay. All right. Uh, and with that... We can go to Orlando, where we had Yibing Wu take the title uh, over Jason Kugler, 6-7, 6-4, and a 3-1 Jason Kugler retired from the match. Uh, it's Wu's second challenger title. Both of them have been retirements, interestingly enough, with the first one being in September 2017 in Shanghai, and Yang Sun Lu retired after, after losing the first set. Absolutely huge for, for Yibing Wu. Wu's up 285 spots, number 332. His run, uh, it can't get much harder than that in this draw. I don't think Celik be like Christian Harrison, Eubanks, Gomez, and then Kubler. Um, yeah, what did you think of Yibing Wu this week? Yeah, I think some people on on Twitter, I saw it making. Um, I, I saw people making this out as a that before the break, before the three years that he had, he was some sort of a developing talent and was like very close to a breakthrough. And that's actually not really true. I mean, as you said, he won this challenger in 2019. And still, even with that, his career high was... Yeah, 2000... Uh, what did I say? 19, I think. Ah, but said. that was the... Yeah, that, that, that's actually my point, that it was in 2017. And then in 2019, he took the break. And his career high was 298, even with winning a challenger. Not not a challenger fifty because that didn't even exist back then. He was basically like slumping. He was just uh, his progress was very stale when he had that break. And right now he's clearly a much better player. So um, you know, as long as his body doesn't break down, uh, which I mean, he's scheduling himself very lightly right now. I don't know if that's related or not, but. For example, right now he's going to play like a 25k in Dallas at the end of the month. At the end of the month, this is actually his uh, fifth tournament since coming back Orlando. I mean, uh, but he had a he had some sort of physical issues at the after his first one as well. But but like the schedule is just super light. I don't know if that's related to uh, to his body being vulnerable, which we which we've seen a lot. But it's just. Um, I guess uh, a lot of people are now like thinking that he was the former junior number one and he was just progressing very rapidly until he got injured. And that's not really true, right? That he, he, he just, uh, there was a point where he simply didn't seem as that much of a prospect anymore. 
but right now he's playing better than ever. Uh, the, the hand skills, the touch is insane. That He actually has a very big forehand, which I, I don't think was there before from, from what little I I remember of Ibinku before the break, honestly. Um, yes, and as for uh, the finals, Jason Kubler unfortunately had to retire from the this final. It was his 12th challenger final. But despite that, he gets back into the top 100 for the first time since October 2018. Uh, moved up 19 spots to do that. On his road, he beat Keegan Smith, uh, Mejia, Blanche, and JJ Wolf in the semifinals. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Kugler before this this final? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely the best player in Little Rock, Rock in Orlando. Um, for I mean, not 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 saying as a name, but as as to what they played. Shame that his body didn't really allow him to to win that tenth in a row. But the conditions were so tough. I mean, wind uh, over thirty Celsius degrees in a lot of these matches. Uh, it, it was weird because he had this physical crisis. It seemed like against Blanche. So I figured that Wolf was probably going to dispatch him. Then he played a great match against uh, again against Wolf. Uh, and yeah, the, the final just was really low quality, mostly mostly on on physical issues. Uh, we ultimately just started playing with a lot more margin in the second, and it was it just worked out. But yeah, Kubler was very close to winning it. Cool that he still got that top one hundred uh, return by by like a couple of points, right? Yeah, yeah, very 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 narrowly. Um, yeah, any thoughts on on either of the semifinals that we had? JJ Wolf, Emilio Gomez. I'm definitely not the, the best we've seen JJ Wolf play. He was sort yeah. of just going through the week. The, the match against Holt was very troubling. Uh, the, 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 the one against Wu, I mean, Wu was just uh, not Ebing not Wu, but Tunglin Wu, uh, was 6 4 3 1 up and was like playing a perfect match. And then his game just completely broke down. I mean, I, it, it was really, it's been a while since I saw such a big difference of someone playing well and not playing well and in the span of just a couple of games too like he was just blasting uh big attack short attacking balls from everywhere everywhere on the court uh you know, up, up until 3-1 and then he lost seven nine even i think nine games in a row and just couldn't find the court at all that was that was pretty interesting <laughs> Yes. Uh, anybody else you want, to, you want to talk about in the singles? Uh, not sure. I'm always a sucker for these uh, Roberto Quiroz, Emilio Gomez matchups between <laughs> cousins. Uh, we actually almost had one in the final at uh, Salinas this year, right? When mm-hmm. uh, Moreno Dalboran eliminated Quiroz. But actually, we should mention Matija Pakotic, who was uh, coming yeah. back after... Um, he last played in 2021, I think, but uh, he also... Uh, he he was also retired at some point in his career. I, I can't remember the year exactly, but he retired for a couple of years. So clearly, injuries have been uh, have been an issue for him uh, throughout. And I mean, the, the the level just wasn't really great. It's it's what we talked about that uh, the American challengers have good players in them, but the depth just doesn't really exist. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Petrotejit still helped, uh, helped his ranking a bit. I think he moved up like 90 spots or something. He's 580 now with, you know, qual- qualifying and then second round. 
Um, he actually, interestingly enough, uh, beat both of the players in the winning doubles team, hmm. uh, Yun Seung Jung and uh, Mikhail Pervolarakis. Uh, it was their first challenger doubles title for, for either of them. And they beat uh, Jaziri and Uchida in the final. Yeah. And moving on to what I feel like must have been your dream final in Bratislava. Yes, Alex. yes, yes, oh. yes. <laughs> Alexander Shevchenko beat Ricardo Bonadio in the final 6-3-7-5 on national television in Slovakia uh, at 11 in the morning. They they put it out there. Shevchenko Bonadio. Obviously, both guys pulled off massive upsets in the in the semifinals. Bonadio beat the thing. Well, I, I don't know. They, they Shevchenko were... over Gombos is not a massive upset, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Bonadio yeah. over the thing, sure. But, yeah, but, but Bonadio saying was, was a bigger upset than Shevchenko, Gombos. Uh, but anyway, they, they both upset seeds in, yeah. the, in the semifinals. And probably the Bratislava organizers also weren't quite happy with, <laughs> with the final, maybe. Having Gombos and Seng so close. Seng, who like, they like promoted the event with a number of times. And Gombos was like a well-known player, obviously, in Slovakia. But yeah, Shevchenko was the champion in his first challenger final he gets the title did not drop a single set moves up 61 spots to break the top 200 number 172 on his run he beat Horansky Denis Novak Andrei Kuznetsov Norbert Gombos and Bonadio uh yeah what did you make of Shevchenko here yeah I mean I had this thought that this was like definitely the my wet dream the final uh, it's it only sucks that I picked these players so many times to win challenger to win a challenger title and when they actually meet in the final I had Gombos uh, <laughs> whom I probably did never picked before I I, I assume so and uh, well I'm probably also the only person that was happy with this final besides uh, the friends and family of Bonadio and Shevchenko but it was very high quality actually I yeah, was surprised it, it, because, it was a good final yeah uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean, I was surprised because Bonadio Tseng was just a little bit of a shit show, uh, is maybe a stretch. Uh, but Tseng in recent weeks just really hasn't been in that, you know, that December to April form. Um, mm. Even December, December to some happenings in May, maybe even. And uh, I, yeah, I, I totally didn't expect it, but I thought Shevchenko would win it and, and he did, although still... Uh, Bonadio is just a really baffling player sometimes because he has a lot of power from the baseline, but he just needs a lot of time to like execute his game. And sometimes he just can't hit through. Like like the forehand just is wild, absolutely. The backhand is always stellar, but uh, in the in the final he was actually like doing a lot of uh, doing a great job at attacking Shevchenko. He's just not that good at defender, though Bonadio. Like he just doesn't really move well. I don't think he's that much better than his ranking, especially now that he's in the top two hundred. I don't think he's that much better than his ranking. Obviously, Shevchenko has a much bigger future in this sport. So maybe I was maybe I actually should be. Like I, I was happy with Shevchenko winning it because you know, for this guy it's important to rise up the rankings. But maybe I actually should have root, <laughs> should have been rooting for Bonadio because he might not get a chance like this anymore. But still, very cool that he made the top two hundred. Uh, should get a lot more Grand Slam qualifyings in because I think he debuted at at the French. Shevchenko obviously won the debut at Wimbledon because uh, because of his nationality. But he will. 
certainly even with some points dropping this summer for Poznan and also a 25k he won he's still definitely debuting at the, at the slam at the US Open and rightfully so yeah yeah I, I, I was looking at where he was in the rankings afterwards and and I was looking at like the the schedule and stuff and I was like why is he not in the Wimbledon quality oh right yeah. yes because of that uh um, yeah, Bonadio, his second challenger final, uh, 0-2 in those finals, as you said, breaks the top 200, just squeezing there, number 200. Uh, on his run, he beat Collage and then Marojan, Kruti, and Seng in a, in a big comeback. Um, yeah, do you feel like Bonadio will win a challenger title in his career? Uh, if you asked me about it uh, like a month ago, I'd probably say yes. But honestly, I don't know if he's gonna get another chance. Like he's I, 28 now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Almost 29, I think. And in, in July. Yeah. So uh, it's just really not a guarantee that he's gonna get another chance. Uh, uh, this run wasn't perfect. Like I, uh, it, it was really tough. Collage just isn't playing well after Ron Garros at all. He lost two vessels in the same fashion. But still, Maroshan, Krutek, these were all very tough matches. And uh, I, I even remember saying, like, before the semis, someone asked me a very similar thing. And I said that I would really love it if Bonadio won a challenger title at some point, but I just don't think it's going to happen against Seng and then Shevchenko Gombos because they're simply so much better than him, all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, well, I mean, I, I didn't expect he'd, he'd get through Seng, that, that's for sure. Uh, but I mean, it's just possible that his luck has his luck has already run out a bit. I mean, it, at this stage of his career, it's just not a guarantee he's ever going to make it. Um, yeah, uh, maybe we're not at a similar point as we, as with Kachin, but I just feel like the edge that I was always talking about that Bonadio was way better than his ranking is has definitely lowered. A lot. Yeah, with, with the run that he's had and, and how he moved up in rankings, it's it's only logical that obviously he's less of a he's he's underperforming less now uh, compared to where he is. Yeah. The semi finalists, uh, we had Gombosh. We both picked him. I was a bit surprised that you picked him, to be honest, when you, when, when, you, when, you, when you when you did. Um, yeah, it started with a, with a tough match against Privara, uh, which I was actually like. Obviously, Gombosh wasn't playing well in that match for most. Uh, impressed me compared to what he played in like 2020, where he, where he like won one game against Filip Horansky or something, uh, and and that, that that was like a obviously exhibition match over over COVID, but still. Then he beat Karlovsky as always. He beat Josef Kovalik, uh, and then yeah, lost to Shevchenko in two tie breaks. What did you make of Gombosh? Yeah, I watched the match against Privara too. Uh, probably not, wasn't really playing his best, of course, but I, I was very surprised to see Privara playing this well. I mean, my, my knowledge of his game was like very minimal, but now I'm very excited to uh, have a guy like this to follow with, uh, with a beautiful one-hander. Maybe he's not going to replace Bonadio in my, in my personal rankings. <laughs> Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll and I mean, he, he has had that one-hander his his whole career, his whole life. Like I remember when I watched him, when he was he must have been like eleven or twelve. Mm -hmm. He was still hitting that one-hander. He was getting absolutely nothing on it, no power, but he was still persisting with it. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's 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 beautiful now at this point in his career. Yeah, I mean, uh, is it worth it? Uh, who knows? But but it certainly looks great. That, that, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, why did I pick Gombos? Uh, you are surprised. Uh, I don't know. 
I guess there just wasn't really anyone outside of Tseng. I was afraid of Rosol, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And Gombos just seemed to have a really good draw, which he did. Because honestly, I I, I don't know, some something about that Shevchenko loss to Olivieri in, in Poznań maybe, uh, you know, made me think. Uh, and, and that section also seemed pretty tough with Novak there as well for Shevchenko. So, uh, so yeah, Gombos seemed like a very natural pick. He didn't end up winning, but I mean, the, the semi was really close. And he almost got him in like in, like in, in, in both of these tie breaks, Shevchenko almost like was very close to letting Gombos back in, right? And we've seen that with Shevchenko already this year mm-hmm. against uh, Albot, was it? Um, can't remember the tournament, but that that super that, that not super tiebreak, but the much tiebreak that he uh, that he lost blowing it from six two. Uh, so I, I was definitely afraid that this was going to happen again, but uh, but well, no. And a very talented player got his maiden challenger title, which I think it's definitely for the best. Yeah. As for the other semifinals, Chung Tsing. Uh, he beat Russell, got a retirement from Filippo Cristian Giannu in the first set, beat Kopshiva in a, in a very tough match, 7-5 in the third, and then lost to Bonadio. Uh, he is a little bit out of form with, you know, obviously losing to Bonadio, losing to Kuzmanov the week before that. Uh, but nonetheless, it's his fifth challenger semifinal this year. He breaks the top 100. Uh, yeah, how high do you think Tseng can really go? Do you think that he can he can take this to the, to the main tour? I mean, he's 0-4 in two-level main draws for now. And when I'm watching these matches against guys like Bonadio, Kuzmano, Fairness, just really doesn't give me a lot of confidence regarding Tsang. It looks like he's just going to be a borderline top 100 player at least because I just don't see how he suddenly stops making quarterfinals or semis on the Challenger Tour with the game that he has right now. Uh, but it's just really hard to see him winning, realistically winning matches, making deep runs at the ATP Tour. There's just, you know, almost everyone is actually capable of uh, doing something more on his serve, like especially on these weaker second ones. There's players who will step into it. Like Kopshiva, for example, is, is, is weird because he has this tactic of... When Stina or Tseng were giving him the, the weaker second serves, he was just still standing like five meters behind the baseline, but hitting, hitting it really heavy and was working too. Uh, but I feel like on the main turn, most players will actually be able to return it more aggressively. Mm-hmm. And just uh, the, the it, it's, you know, Tseng is kind of leaving a lot of freedom to the opponent. We can see it in, the, in matches like, I don't know, with guys like Setkic, who play the, their best match of 2022 against him, even though like it shouldn't, it shouldn't even make sense that Setkic and Tseng should be in like different leagues right now. I just feel like there's um, there's a certain set of things that you cannot allow players that are like main two regulars to do, and Tseng doesn't really limit their options in in that way. And yeah, I, I, I'm not an optimist, but in, in his case, but then again, I also haven't been for years. So, you know, maybe I'm just biased at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also want to point out Alexi Krutich. 
who reached the quarterfinals as a qualifier. And he he had a tough he had a tough time. He had to come back from a set down three times in a row to start against Peter Naj in the first qualifying round. I was very surprised. Uh, then Alexis Gauthier in the in the final qualifying round. Then from a set down again against Morocanas, but then he beats Fertina in straight sets, pushed Bonadio to 7-5 in the third uh, and breaks the top 300. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on Kruti? Yeah, he, I, I think he just really maybe similarly to Tumlin Wu, which I talked about like a couple of minutes ago, he also has a very big difference between his peak and his, uh, and his low. Uh, and that's probably why he's sort of struggling still. But clearly, you know, t- the, the fourth hundred of the ATP ranking is not the place for Alexi Krutik when playing well. That That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anybody else you want to talk about in the singles here? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, we, we, had, a, we had a bit of a Slovak exodus early on uh, with, with Klein going out. Andre Mati went out early. Uh, but apparently he was vomiting the entire night before the match and was like on the verge mm-hmm. of retiring in the second set. Uh, but yeah, Klein lost pretty disappointingly. Horansky lost to, to Shevchenko, which looks, I mean, obviously much better now that he won. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel like it was an interesting, interesting tournament. They they did a, a lot of good work, uh, I think, online. Uh, as a tournament, they, they, they picked out some really nice interviews. They got Molchan for interview because he was in town uh, just preparing for for mm-hmm. Halle. Um, they got, I think, Miloslav Mecic for an interview, Norbert Gombos, uh, a couple of interesting ones for sure. Preparing for Halle in, in Bratislava? Do you guys have a clay court there? Not a grass court there? Yeah, so as far as I know, uh, at least when I was there last and I was still playing tennis, stuff, there, there was one grass court oh. and it was owned by Rebecca Shramkova's father, uh, who's like a WTA player. Um, and, and it was his his grass court. Yeah, no, because no his father time. is a WTA player. Well, no, um, oh, she's a WTA. <laughs> it's a WTA player. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I know. I, it was it was just a little weird to me that that you are. Uh, I guess maybe maybe some listeners won't know yes, Rebecca yeah. Shankova. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah. That that, that that was the that was the purpose of it. So th- so there's that okay. one. Um, I'm not sure if there have been more built since, uh, but yeah, it is possible to prepare for grass okay. now, even in Bratislava. Um, yeah, in the doubles, Balaji and Nedun Cezian took the title, uh, the first title for either one of them since September 2021. They both won titles in September and they won together now. Uh, they beat Manafov and Prikotko for Manafov. It was the first challenger doubles final. Um, yeah. Do you want to go on to match of the week and upset of the week? Sure. Yes, who was your upset? Upset of the week. I, I had something picked out, but I obviously can't remember now. I think according to the bookies, Potenza over Emer was the biggest one. Uh, I kind of agree, but another one was close and I, I like this one more. Honestly, Ugo Grenier over Ugo Dalian, Battle of the yeah. Ugos was just uh, such a shock to me, given you know, how how good Dalian's year has been. And also the, you know, the, the extent of it. 6-3-6-1. Uh, Grenier, whom I don't really rate on clay courts. Um, the, the way he played this week, he was actually hitting quite well. Uh, almost got Mutei, who ended up winning in Lyon. So maybe maybe this was actually like some sort of an outlier in terms of Grenier's performances in clay. But for him to smash Dalian like that, that was that was quite something. 
Absolutely. I'm going for the same. Delian was your pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, 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 was, he was your guy there. Um, and yeah, Grenier has sucked almost all year long. Uh, so for him to come and pull out this performance. And then, as you said, push Mute, I think he was serving for the match against Mute. Um, in the in the third, Six yeah, five, yeah, yeah, it seems right. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge upset for for Benny at there. Uh, yeah, who is your match of the week? Um, this is a maybe another point that I can make, and I forgot earlier that um, I'm not sure how I would feel about it. As in, if I was on site, I generally tend to like the Czech or Slovakian system that of just coming to the courts at 11 a.m. and finishing at like 5, 6 p.m. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why I called it that, but it seems to me that all these Czech and Slovakian challengers have finals extremely early. And I, yeah. and I like it. It's, it's just easier to uh, travel, easier to... Um, especially on the weekends, it doesn't really matter, right? Because you know, mm -hmm. people, people aren't at work. I can understand how it matters on work days. And in Perugia, the last match of the day starts at 9 p.m., mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy. And I guess on-site, I maybe would have been a little bit angry about it. But with how it turns, with how it played out, maybe not, because all of these night matches in Perugia were insane. Like maybe not all of them, but Monteiro Munar, Echeveri Koboli, today the final as well uh, at night at 9 p.m. It is it, it's it's really weird scheduling, honestly, because the guys just finished a final, and you know I I don't think Echeveri and Munar have to travel. Uh, far in order to play a challenger next week, but still it, it's just inconvenient for them. But one of these matches had to be my pick and I guess I'm going to go a little bit off beat and oh, a little bit of it. And I will not go for Munar Monteiro, but for Echeveri Kuboli. This one was a little more entertaining for me, even though it wasn't as long, it wasn't as dramatic. Uh, just it was really interesting to see Koboli battling his own inconsistencies, then having very high peaks, which were actually higher than Echeverry's, but still coming up short. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be my pick. Nice. Um, yeah, I've gone for Evans against Sok. I, I thought it, it wasn't quite the match that it could have been, I don't think, with Sok getting a little bit injured in the first set when he was up. Uh, but still some, some beautiful tennis, some beautiful hitting. Uh, a a great level and yeah I I, I just love grass court tennis um, so I was always going to pick something out of Nottingham I think okay all right we can go to the previews the situation is I have ten points you have nine it's very very close uh, as we head into this week let's start in Parma um, where Federico Coria is the top seed playing Daniel Elahi Galan what a first round match that is. Unbelievable. The second match, uh, yeah, the, the winner of that will face Norbert Gombos or Andrea Arnaboldi. Then we have Elias Imer against Gastao Elias, with the winner of that playing Roberto Carvajal Baena or a qualifier. Uh, then we have Tomas Martin Echeverri playing Ricardo Bonadio, winner of that plays Chun Sin Seng or a qualifier. Then we have Carlos Tabernet playing a qualifier and then Marco Cecchinato or Luca Nardi. Ugo Delian plays Fabio Coboli. Once again, huge first round in this Parma draw. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Winner of that plays Borna Choric or Franco Agamenone. Thiago Monteiro plays a qualifier. And then Jed Magher or Giulio Cepieri. Dusan Lajovic is here playing Francesco Passaro. Uh, and then Manuel Ginat or qualifier. And then Bernabe Zapatamiraes plays a qualifier. 
then facing Salvatore Caruso or Alessandro Gianesi. Uh, yeah, how do you like this Parma draw? It's insane. It's literally the same thing as last time that Perugia was so strong compared to Nottingham because there are other grass court options. There are grass court options for higher ranked players and for clay, this is the best you can get. And it makes the field insane. And uh, I mean, again, you've got an incredible first round matchup next to another one. Uh, every single seed is in, feels like he's in trouble unless he's playing a qualifier, which actually here four seeds are playing a, playing qualifiers. But then other than that, you have Echeverri, Bonadio, Coria Galan, Kobolidelian, uh, and Pasaro Lajovic. And that's that's just insane. Uh, in the qualities, we've got some great names too, like Andrea Pellegrino, Josef Kovalik. These guys playing challenger qualities is just so weird. Yeah, Andre Martin kind of, he's finally where he belongs. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, obviously, he just uh, signed up late. Uh, but uh, Kovalik Ayupovic, he, he might, Kovalik might not even get out, I think, with, with Ayupovic's form. But, but yeah, uh, tough to see, uh, tough to see someone from the qualities winning it simply because the, the draw is so strong. But then again, Pellegrino or or Kovalik wouldn't, uh, Kovalik would be surprising at, at this stage of his career, but Pellegrino wouldn't really be if he, if he catches fire, but then looking at the draw, I'm, I'm really, it's just really tough to pick anyone here because you're not going to trust guys like Lejovic. You're not going to trust someone like uh, Tiago Monteiro, who has Mager and Zip. He starts against the qualifier, and I, I was actually thinking about Monteiro because he played very well this week. He just barely lost to Munar. But then he, he's playing Magar or Zapieri in the second round, and then someone of Choric, Agamenone, Koboli, Delian. And it's like just, just absurdly tough to, to trust anyone in this draw. I do have a, have a pick. Am I confident about it? Not really, but I think I'm going to go with Bernabe Zapata Mirage. I'm still yet to see. Like how he'll react to the to the Ron Garros success, to breaking the top 100 at all, because he obviously didn't play. Uh, but I'm just going to rely on the, that maybe he's going to continue this form. Even if not, I mean, the, he was just playing very well before Paris as well. So. Yeah, um, Gulb is also in qualifying, so that's yeah. that's a possibility. Um, as for some some doubles guys that I really want to mention, uh, some some pairings. With Tabernet playing with Zapata Mirais, which should be fun. Uh, Tred Huey playing with Franco Skugor. And Galloway and Lawson are playing uh, their first challenger of the year together. They, they, they've, they've been separate despite being one of the best teams uh, last year. I think they played like Delray Beach together, but it's their first challenger. Um, as, as for the winner picks, yeah, a, a lot of guys are, are locked in, locked up uh, against each other. And that's why I really like Zapata Miraez as the as the pick. Uh, I'm I'm taking him as well. Um, yeah, starts against a the qualifier. Then Caruso Genesi. I'm happy with Lajovic. I feel like Zapata Miraez is better than Lajovic this year. Oh, for um, sure. I, so I yeah, like I, I, I I definitely like Zapata Miraez to, to the semis at the very least. And it, and then even yeah, Delian just took a bad loss. Montero would be tough. Um, but yeah, Zapata Miraez is a is a good pick here. I think. Yeah, he's in a good spot in this draw. I, I don't necessarily think that he's going to just come out from Paris and play as well as he did there, but he's just in a good spot of the, in the draw, yeah. Yeah, he also has the best ELO uh, of the year so far and the best ELO on clay out of anybody in this field. So 
that's also nice nice supporting factors there uh right let's take it to to ilkley where we have jordan thompson starting with a special exempt uh, as a top seed which is quite interesting he plays Nuno borges uh for whom it will be the first ever grass match at least in the pros i'm not sure if he ever did anything in junior grass or something anyway the winner of that ma- match plays andreas seppi or a qualifier then we have yuri rodionov playing a qualifier and then another qualifier uh, John Millman plays Felix Gill, uh, then Luca Pui or a qualifier. Jason Kubler is in this draw still, not, not yet withdrawn, I don't think, uh, facing a qualifier, and then Sebastian Offner or Jesper de Jong. Andri Laxonen, who pulled out of Bratislava last week, plays Pierre Ugerber. Uh, winner of that faces Aiden McHugh or Vasek Pospisil, who's back for the first time since uh, Miami. Then we have Fernando Verdasco playing Michal Kukushkin in a very vintage match there. Um, the winner of that plays Constant Lestien or Artur Ferry. Then we have Yuri Vesely playing Altuk Bilek, winner facing Ramkumar Ramanathan or Hugo Grenier. Jack Salk plays Michael Moe and Ernesto Escobedo plays Team Van Rijthoven coming straight in off the Den Bosch title. He's, he's in this draw with a special exempt as well. I'm super excited for this event. Uh, yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah, uh, as for the qualities, there's a well, Alexi Popirin is the first seat yeah. as a, as an alternate, so that's definitely something. Uh, but he's got a pretty tough uh, final round against his brother, so um, Zizubergs, but he's also playing Matusevic, who almost qualified for Wimbledon last year, right? He lost that five setter to, yeah. to Zapata Miralesh. Uh, there's guys like Belier, Lukas Lachko on the match. Lachko, yeah, yeah, he, he he looked very good against Richard. I I got up to watch that match. Uh, looks great. I I think I, he's the favorite for me over over Hijikata. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I yeah. look forward to him in the main draw. Yeah, he, on grass, I think he could be the favorite against Rinki. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Still a very exciting draw, even though it's definitely not as. as you know, filled with stars as as Parma is. Uh, Verdasco Kukushkin, we've already seen this week, but I, I honestly really want to see it again. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I can't really imagine Kubler playing this or doing well in this after after these two rounds, uh, the, the these ten matches in Little Rock and Orlando. I also don't want to go for Jordan Thompson because fifteen matches in like eighteen or nineteen days probably like 20 more like 2021 20, uh that's uh, kind of that doesn't seem doable although on grass i suppose you don't really run as much and it really leaves me with very little idea on who i want to pick like someone is probably doesn't really have any experience on grass i think i think i remember checking that uh he never played any other grass event than wimbledon so you know, to do some things up, I'm I'm really uncertain what to pick, and I and I really don't want to go for Van Rijthoven because I don't think he's gonna just come here from straight from uh, Rosmala and then Bosch Hertog and Bosch or however one, one one wants to call it, and I just don't really see anyone else who uh, who might like to pick maybe Vasek Pospisil. Like, could you imagine that he just picked the skipped the clay season because he obviously wouldn't really be able to do much there anyway, and then comes out and wins this? I mean, he he, he was pretty severely injured, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I I I think I remember like a 
post uh, uh like like a video of him hitting his first serve after uh, like for the oh. first months you know screw it i mean van reitoven if he if he comes through escobedo and sock uh no maybe sock is more sock is more dangerous if he comes through sock then that this section of the draw is actually pretty easy for him all right so you're locking in yeah Right. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple of doubles pairings that we have. Actually, both pretty interesting first rounds. We have Borges and Cabral playing uh, Cash Patton in the first round, which should yeah. be incredible. Cash Patton, the hottest team right now. Borges Cabral, one of the best challenger teams that we see when they play. And then we also have the top seats, Fabrice Martin and Hugo nice playing Basil Pospisil and Andreas Seppi. So that's one that I also definitely want to watch. I wonder when uh, Fabrice Martin played a, a challenger. That's, that that's interesting. Yeah, could be. I'm gonna look for it, and you tell. Yeah, I'll <laughs> you I'll, tell I'll talk about who I want to pick. As yeah. as you sort of hinted uh, and and said, it's very tough picking here as well. Thompson, you can't pick him to go that deep third week in a row. That would be insane. Um, yeah, Laxonen doesn't do anything. Pospisil is just back from injury. That Sok, Van Rijtoven, I know that he lost early last week, but Vesely, I think, is still very dangerous on grass when, he, when, he, when, he, when he's playing well. I don't want to pick out of that section, so I'm going to pick. I think maybe uh, a little bit uh, surprisingly, I'm going to go for Sebastian Ofner. Uh, he has had good grass results in the past. I really yeah. like his section with with Kubler uh, and and Millman and stuff. The, I I feel like he should make the semis out of that. And then yeah, wh- whoever comes out of the top section with with I don't know Rodionov Thompson. I I quite like him all the way to the final of that. Yeah. Okay. Fabrice Martin, Martin played uh, a challenger in May 2019. But then two tournaments later, he was in the Ron Garros finals with Shardy. So that's why uh-huh. he hasn't played one since then. Yes. All right. We can move on to Blois, <laughs> uh, which is just, I don't know, it's just very fun for me to say, uh, where the top seed is Daniel Collage uh, playing a qualifier. <laughs> and then we have uh, Matteo Arnadli playing Enzo Cuaco, Nikola Milojevic plays Gregor Barrer, and then Timo Feiskatov plays Facundo Diaz Acosta. Pedro Cacin plays Maximilian Marterer. Uh, the winner of that plays John Borpiroš or Qualifier. Then we have Vít Kopšiva playing Lorenzo Giustino, and then Artur uh, Fields, excuse me, or Emilio Nava. Camilo Ugucarabei plays a Qualifier, and then Andrea Cuiarini or Alexander Muller. Denis Novak plays Terence Atman, uh, and then Gennaro Alberto Olivieri or a Qualifier. Final section, Corentin Mute plays Evan Furness and then Alexander, Alexander Shevchenko or Qualifier. And then also in the section is Nino Serdarusic playing Gonzalo Lama and Sedig Masochtebe playing a Qualifier. Uh, yeah. How, who, who do you like here in Blois? Initially somewhere I read that this event was on hard courts and I was very surprised by the entry list, at least in some points. Like Ugo Carabelli or <laughs> Milojevic, they, they just really caught me off guard. Then I realized that it's actually it's actually clay. So, um, uh, yeah, a lot of guys who did well in recent weeks as well. Uh, I looking at the qualies, I don't think there's really anyone that could do something excellent. Like Baranko Cosano last year had a few good moments, but you know, not really the, in this campaign. Vanash. Besides 25k, yeah, Vanash. I mean, I, I don't 
really think he's capable of winning multiple matches in yeah. a row. Uh, at least not in the main draws. Calvin Emery, if he if he somehow finds some good rhythm, I don't know. Juan Bautista Torres is probably the, the, the most dangerous potential qualifier. But yeah, uh, looking at the draw, it's, it's so much weaker than, than Parma, for sure. Um, and a lot of the guys who are uh well who are seeds are either very are either of form or played so much in recent weeks that i don't want to pick them like kachin kopshiva uh mute also won i i shevchenko as well so i'm actually thinking of doing something like hugo carabelli looks pretty decent to me but then again he's also not been that healthy recently he retired with a not, not even retired, but withdrew with a back injury in Poznan uh, and then lost to Fields, obviously, in, in Lyon last week. Uh, but I, I think that was a pretty high-quality match, and I think if he's healthy, he can go well, he can do well here again. I just don't really want to pick out of Mutei Shevchenko, potentially, second round. That just seems uh, that just seems way too tough. Uh, I'm not sure if Vitkopshiva is capable of another big run. Kachin again, he, he also played a long match, long week uh, in Lyon. Yeah, I, I, I think all uh, all I'm gonna do if I if I if I if I talk about this draw like five more minutes, all I'm gonna do is just convince myself more to go Ugo Carabelli, even though you know he just lost in the first round at Lyon and he had back in back issues in Poznan, uh, but. I don't know. He, if he's healthy, this is just simply a good draw for him. Yeah, the the Ugo Karabey draw is interesting for sure. Just quickly, some some doubles guys. Uh, we have Edler playing with Olivetti as the top seeds, their first ever tournament together, which is quite surprising considering Edler playing with Midler almost all the time. Uh, Ugo Karabey is actually playing with with Sergio Galdos. We have Fields and Banash with the wild card, so it should be an interesting doubles tournament as well. I don't know. I, I just kept going in circles with this draw, Ugo Karabey. I'm just not convinced the draw is very nice, but is he fit enough to, to win this tournament? I don't think so. I'm going to go for, you know, it's likely this guy will be out in the first two rounds, but I'm going to go for Corenta Mute. Um, he, he's, he's on form right now. The Shevchenko second round is scary, but I think the potential quarterfinal is nice. I think the potential semifinal is nice. So yeah, I'll go with, with Mute here. Yes, and we close out with uh, Corrientes, a 50 in, in Argentina, where all sorts were happening. Apparently, they had to like, remake the draw or something a couple of times. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on there, but I saw a tweet from Navone, which was saying something like, finally, I get to go home to Argentina. And I look, and I'm not even in the draw for some reason. Uh, so <laughs> apparently, the organization of that event is a, is a bit of a mess, but hopefully it goes well this week uh the top seed there is juan pablo fikovic playing a qualifier and then valerio abayan or another qualifier nick hart plays fermin tinti and then gustavo haide or jorge panta gonzalo villanueva plays mariano navone and then ignacio monzon or wilson leite nicolas alvarez plays alex barena and then carlos gomez herrera or a qualifier nicolas mejia plays roman andres buruchaga and then a qualifier. Uh, Facundo Juarez plays Murkel Terien, and then uh, Alejo, <laughs> Alejo Lorenzo Lingua Lavallén, or uh, oh, it, it kind of his name is it like Arclon? Uh, yeah, Arclon. Yeah, Arclon. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, then Francisco Comesana playing a qualifier, uh, winner of that playing Conor Ortiz Dopino or Matias Franco Descote. Malik Jaziri is here playing Lautaro Midon and then Luci- Luciano, uh, sorry, Luciano Taki or Joao Lucas Reis da Silva. Um, yeah, in qualifying, do we have anybody really? We have Guido Andreozzi. Yes, yes, yes. One guy, yeah, Guido Andreozzi. First match since uh, January. Mm-hmm. So, uh, quite exciting. Uh, I don't know what exactly the issue was because I think he just lost to Murkan Bellion there. Uh, but, um, you know, no, no retirement or anything. Uh, like how, th- th- that's a very good test. Like how to check whether someone knows a lot about tennis at the lower levels. Uh, can he can he or she give us the names of the Huertas del Pino brothers? <laughs> yeah, not, not gonna lie, this, this draw isn't great. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of potential in Challenger 50s, and in Europe we've seen some of them that were even tougher to win than 80s. But right now, no one who is going to try to play Wimbledon qualifying or the big European challengers is going to be in South America. So we basically have Juan Pablo Fikovic from the top 300. And I think Comesana is maybe in the top 300 too. But I mean, it's still a very huge gap between Fikovic and Comesana. And in terms of uh, picking, like if it's not Fikovic, I think it really could be like almost everyone else. So I'm mostly looking at guys who have done well at 25Ks. Like, uh, I, I just lost the name that I was going to bring up. Uh, Nick Hart, uh, Facundo Juarez, Murkel Delian for sure as well. I, I was very close to thinking of Mejia, but I don't like the opening round against Buruchaga. Uh, Facundo Juarez, Murkel Delian, I also don't want to pick out of this matchup for sure. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it, it's just, it's really tempting to go for something else. But Fikovic has just been so much better than all of these guys recently. But still, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of don't want to go for this just, just because of my natural aversion of, you know, picking the top seeds. So I, I might just go for something stupid like, yeah, let's try Nick Hart. I mean, he, he's clearly good enough to, win tournaments where the field is at this level. It's just whether he'll bring it. I think he had a very decent run in Antalya, the, the Challenger 50 at the end of last year. So perhaps, uh, you know, perhaps he's just capable of uh, mentality. It's not, it's not going to, mentality is not going to be an issue. Maybe, uh, I don't know. I just don't want to go Fivovic. And so I'm looking for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the doubles, we, we've got an interesting doubles field, actually, yeah. with Andreotti playing with Turan. Uh, the Huertas the Delpino brothers are, are teaming up as the second seeds. And most importantly, we have Leonardo Mayer's uh, farewell match or potentially second match if he wins. Uh, he's playing with Ignacio Monzon. They're, they're both from uh, Corrientes, the city where the challengers played. Uh, Mayer, I think, retired last year in, in October officially. Uh, number 21 in singles, nine challenger singles titles. He has the third longest match in history and the longest uh, singles Davis Cup match in history against Raul Souza from 2015. Uh, so yeah, he's saying officially goodbye uh, in this in this doubles match. And I mean, looking at the singles field, he probably should could, should have had a should have had a good. <laughs> yeah, he was born in Corrientes. <laughs> he was born in Corrientes. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, that, that's a, that's pretty surprising to me that he he is is even in this draw because I was just not not thinking about something like this at all. Yeah, but but if he if he's from Korea, it makes sense. Should he have been in the singles? Yeah. I mean that there's definitely spots in the draw where he'd be the favorite, even after not playing for Absolutely. a year. Alex Barena is a wild card. Or I don't know. Generally, wild cards or guys like Descote who haven't done well in years. Yeah, the, the, he definitely could have won a round or two. Yeah, that, that would have been interesting. Unfortunately, it's just doubles for my singles pick. Um, yeah, I, I sort of wanted to go Mejia, uh, but as he said, it's it's a tough draw. I have chosen to go with uh, Gonzalo Villanueva. He's not been doing great recently, had sort of a couple of tough draws in, in America. Uh, I think he played Christian Harrison and Kubler. Before that, he lost to Lama. But before that, he actually had a, a, a semi and a quarter where he was getting some some nice wins and only lost to guys who are better than this field. So I feel like he, he, has, he has a nice shot to, to make a run here. Via yeah, Lama. this is another one of these guys who have been excellent in ITFs in South America. And this is literally a similar level. Like, take out Fikovic, and you can easily see at twenty it being at twenty five k. So guys who have been winning at this level, like Hart, Villanueva, Juarez, Comesana, they 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 they're really all capable of winning, more than capable of winning this. Malik Jaziri is quite a quite an interesting guy in the draw. Like, if, imagine if he won, that would be quite something. That would be quite It's but, possible, yeah. like. Just see the draw that he has. I mean, yeah. I mean, th- th- this is entirely Lona de Mayer's, uh tournament, from what I've read online, like translated Spanish articles. Uh, mm-hmm. He's getting all of the media attention. Yeah. He has like a bunch of people at his at his like practices at the stadium. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's going to be sort of all about him in in Corrientes. Cool. Yeah, and I guess that's where we're going to finish for for this week. Uh, thanks for listening and we will see you when we're well, in a week when we're going to be discussing Corrientes, Blois, uh, <laughs> Parma and Ilkley uh, with a lot of, uh, I guess next week is also when we'd be discussing uh, Wimbledon qualifying if the draw is already there by the time we're recording. Uh, but whether that whether that's, uh, that actually takes place, we'll see. Uh, that that's not really in our um, jurisdiction or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks again. And uh, yeah. See ya. Bye. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the podcast from Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro. A thank you to them, as always, for their contributions. I say it every week. I mean it each time. You will not find two people more enthusiastic, more informed about everything happening at the Challenger level as them. So we are so happy to have them as a part of our team, of course. If you're looking for the other developments happening across the tennis world, rest assured we've got you covered. Tour-level action recapped over on our mini break podcast feed. Chris Hallior is going to join me later this week to talk about some of the ITF pro circuit action and the collegiate players having success at that level this summer. We'll highlight all that on a great shot podcast episode later this week. Of course, for all of that coverage, head on over to our website, crackrackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at crackrackets. I'm at AL Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out 
as well to our friends at Turner. Remember, email sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today with all of that said. For our fantastic Cracked Rackets contributors, Damian Kust and Jakob Babro, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll see you all later this week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.